The SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and receive a $500 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up at UnderdogFantasy.com with promo code SGPN and receive a free $25 entry to use in Best Ball Mania 2 for a chance to win $1 million. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app in the App Store or Google Play Store. Time for Rod's Risers. That's right. It is time for another edition of Rod's Risers. Today, we take a look at somebody who may stand to benefit from an unfortunate injury. Carson Wentz goes down with a foot injury. Now, look, they're saying that he's going to try to rest it and to try to be ready and not have to go under the knife for surgery. But should that not work? And should Carson Wentz have to sit out any sort of time whatsoever? The next man up could possibly be Jacob Eason. Now, what does Jacob Eason do for you in your fantasy rosters? Maybe not much of anything, but if you've got Carson Wentz and you're thin at backup quarterback and nobody else out there on the waiver wire, maybe it's a deep bench. Maybe it's just that everybody grabbed all the quarterbacks that could possibly be used and you're left scrambling. Go find Jason e- Jacob Eason on the waiver wire and pick him up. Look, he's got a little bit of pedigree. The Colts did use a fourth round pick on him. He was in Washington, he was in Georgia, and in Washington, he actually had 3,132 yards, 23 touchdowns, not a bad little resume. He did not play his senior year, so you know that he was one of those guys that came out of the draft relatively early, but they're going to put their, I mean, unless they bring another quarterback in to try out for the job it's probably going to be Jacob Eason, especially if they're sounding now like they don't even want to try and sit Wentz. Uh, They really do want him to come back and they want him to rehab. Surgery puts him out for a decent amount of time. So you understand, of course, that he just doesn't want to do that. He wants to try to work through this. He wants to try to play through this. But even if he does start to play through this and all of a sudden something happens and you're left in a lurch after week one, let's say he does play, he aggravates that injury. Now he's sitting out. Guess what? You're going to need somebody in a pinch for week two unless you can find a really good waiver wire stash uh again like i said but having jacob eason i don't normally advocate having quarterback handcuffs but then again you don't like to have one of your starting quarterbacks or maybe your starting quarterback uh sounding like he's not going to play in week one uh, going into the first week of the season so grab yourself some jacob eason sit back wait for the news if you gotta play him you gotta play him he's a warm body at quarterback and hopefully carson wentz won't be out or hopefully you can make a trade and get a better quarterback or uh maybe he just gets a stop gap until you get a better waiver wire pickup and a higher priority so all right rods riser this week jacob eason congratulations you are benefiting from carson wentz's injury if anybody can i don't know all right let's start the show
We are back once again with another episode of the SGP and Fantasy Football Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Welcome in. We are getting ever so much closer to the season, which means drafts are really about to start. Listen, I know that the hardcore folks like probably me, Herms, and Courtney that have been drafting since, well, God, since last season stopped. But uh, for those of you who are redrafters and uh, are about to start your drafts, we're here to help. I have got Courtney Burrows of Going for Two. She is joining me along with the man. Look, you know Prince, you know Pink, you know some of the other one named uh, Madonna, but we have Herms. <laughs> he only needs one name to announce it. <laughs> He's with the Rum Boys. He's with the Lateral. He is joining us today. Uh, Courtney, thank you for joining us, and uh, I'm so excited to finally connect with you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And then Herms, man, we've been uh, back and forth for a while. This is our first time ever doing anything together. So welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you for having me. Yeah, let's get it going. What it do, kangaroo? Yeah, it's game time. <laughs> I love it. So much energy on this show. If you leave this show frowning, it's your own damn fault. Uh, all right. So listen, this is the rules of the show. I'm sure everybody that listens already knows, but I'm going to explain it to you guys real quick. We are going to put three minutes on the clock. We've got 10 topics to get through this edition of the show burn fantasy questions these questions that you want to know before you're going into the draft to help maybe spark some thought process going on uh to help you pick a player uh, but these are the questions that we're going to ask we're going to go through it three minutes you guys are going to get the three minutes to talk amongst yourselves and disagree agree whatever i'm going <laughs> to toss out some points at the end and then at the end of the show i'll call a winner a la whose line is it anyways the points don't matter but everybody listening is always a winner so are the rules clear and are we ready to get this thing kicked off clear as mud let's rock and roll <laughs> Herms is let's like let's do go. it to it let's go i was born ready for this all right here we go three minutes on the clock our first burning fantasy question of the day how many games does jimmy garoppolo start in 2021 that is what i want to know i'm sure that's what everybody else want to know courtney what do you think on this one all right. I think that Jimmy starts. Um, and I think that we at least get to week 10 versus the Rams and he possibly is benched there. And then they put in Lance though. You might have this whole thing where we go at week six at the bye, where they are having a losing record and they are struggling. Kittle's not getting the ball. Brandon Ayuk's not getting the ball. Devo Samuel's not getting the ball. And they say, you know what? Let's take the chance. But, you know, Trey Lance is their future, and I don't see them needing to rush unless Jimmy G is just sucking it up. And he's injury prone, so what if the high ankle sprain comes back? What if he struggles again? Then we put Lance in. But I don't see them wanting to rush him because this is their future. But then again, Shanahan's a crazy coach, so I have no idea what he's going to play. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Herms, Am I still going? Oh, yeah, you're still going. <laughs> I mean, six, you. <laughs> last year, Jimmy G only he only started in six games and he had 1,096 yards and seven touchdowns, quarterback rating of 92.4, right? So he is not a bad guy. He's not a bad guy to start with and depend on. But I have seen some of the videos coming out of training camp and Trey Lance is special, but I just don't see them starting him immediately. I just don't. Herms, what are you thinking on so this? At least Oh, I'm, I'm going sorry. at least six games. I'm going at least six games. Okay, that's your record. Six games, at least. Terms, what, what have we got going for you? All right, well, I will say uh, the bye week that the 49ers have this season is in week six, if I remember correctly, which means it will be a perfect time to install Trey Lance into the offense. Because we've seen it before in the past where teams that have a veteran quarterback, you know, 
starting off the year and then like a young guy that they draft like that that bye week transition period like it's a fairly common thing i mean we saw the dolphins do it last year with Tua Tagovailoa you know bridging the gap between you know Ryan Fitzpatrick into you know the beginning of his tenure now is there a world in which Jimmy Garoppolo can play more than those first five weeks and all that stuff? Like, yes, if he performs incredibly well and the team doesn't really have any sort of like tangible evidence to suggest like, oh, well, you know, he's just been absolutely horrible. We need to make a change. If they're undefeated or even like four and one through that stretch and he's doing perfectly fine, then like, I mean, whatever, it'll be cool. They'll just keep rolling with it or whatever. But I'm just skeptical about he's suffered so many injuries throughout the course of his career. Like, is he still the same quarterback that he once was? Because, like, yes, I understand he came back from, you know, a season-ending ACL injury and then helped lead the offense to making it to a Super Bowl. I don't know. But even then, in the season since then, he's only gotten more hurt. He's only gotten more hurt. And, like, they drafted Trey Lance at number three overall. There has to be at least some sort of pressure coming from ownership or wherever to throw the kid in there and see, you know, what could possibly happen? And like, I know I've heard because even like my co-host of my podcast that I do big Niners fans, just like, Oh, well they don't feel any pressure at all. They can do whatever they want. Yeah, sure. But fan pressure. Also the underlying thing that is overlooked. If the fans want it, the fans will get it. So yes, five games. That's very long winded way. <laughs> <laughs> so one or last kiddo wants it. Kittle gets it. What a kittle wants. What a kid. Uh, I'm going to give 500 points to Herms because he did not stumble over Tua's last name. That is an absolute 100% right. That Dude, I was so proud of that. It didn't even so flinch. Didn't even flinch. That was good. Um, look, as a Niners fan myself, I would very much love to see Jimmy start all 16. I've seen the repercussions of what happens when they throw a quarterback in early. Alex Smith was never exactly the guy that we wanted him to be. And I think because we rushed him in so quickly into the starting role. And I think we have a, again, a, a quarterback that took us to the Super Bowl only two years ago in Jimmy Garoppolo. I know he gets hurt, but when he's right, he's right. So I'm hoping that it's all 16 that Jimmy Garoppolo starts. That way, when Trey Lance takes over next year, then we are not, you know, we, we know what we're going to get right out of the gate. And he's had a full year to learn the system. So uh, that is on me. Also on me that I did not explain, when you hear this noise... That means 30 seconds remaining. Oh, gosh. That, that's 30 <laughs> seconds. Your stress level will go up. And then, of course, this means that the three minutes is up. So uh, that was on me. I was so excited to talk to you guys that I didn't get a chance to tell you what those sound effects meant. But uh, now you know. So we'll go into that with the next one, uh, which the next burning question is, Will the opening day QB, and this is one that Courtney loves. I mean, this isn't a video <laughs> podcast, but she's pointing back to her window, which has a Saints towel wrapped around it. Uh, but I'm going to let Herm start this one because I know Courtney could go forever. Will the opening day quarterback for the Saints be the same as it is in week four? So, Herms, will you lead off this discussion for us? Um, yes and no, and also yes. <laughs> I think it's probably going to be similar to what we they'll sprinkle in both of them. And I think, cause I mean, yes, I've seen a lot of suggestions. It's like, okay, well with Michael Thomas expected to miss a significant portion of the season, it would behoove the saints to go with, you know, probably a more robust rushing attack and who would be the best person to lead that in some sort of like weird, like three headed monster type thing. Yeah. Probably Taysom Hill just, you know, have him run around in com uh, in tandem with uh, Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara. Sure. That's one way to go about it. But 
we're kind of just, you know, speculating a little bit here. There's still probably a world in which there are different packages for, you know, Taysom Hill to run his version of the offense and Jameis Winston to do it. And maybe depending on the defense that they're facing that week, they'll start one guy and then throw in another guy a little more often or a little less often. Like, I don't know. My answer is I do not know. (laughs) It's a good answer. Courtney, why don't we uh, shed some light on that one? First of all, that's not a Saints towel. It's a Saints Snuggie that you put your arms into and can wrap yourself up in it. Um, Exactly. So, okay, I agree with you, Herms, but I also disagree with you because I truly, I trust Sean Payton. I'm a huge Saints fan, and I was there. We all saw Jameis Winston lead the league a few years ago in touchdown passes and interceptions and yards, right? Like, he's a good quarterback. He learned behind Drew Brees for a year. Drew Brees had nothing but good things to say about him, and I truly believe that with Michael Thomas out and we're going to elevate Traquan Smith and uh, Marquise Callaway to wide receiver one and two, we have to have a deep ball threat. And Taysom Hill is not that guy. Taysom Hill is a gadget player who I think that absolutely they will sprinkle him in and he will play at different things. But our starting quarterback will be Winston. If you would have asked me this when Drew went down in week 10 of last year, I would have said, oh, Taysom Hill's our future. But I've been looking at it, looking at it, looking at it. And the best scenario for us to play in an FC South against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at an elite level is Jameis Winston. As bad as that hurts me and pains me to say it, I'm telling you it's going to be Jameis Winston. And then they will put in Hill on certain plays, but it's going to be Winston. It'll be Winston one. It'll be Winston week four. It'll be Winston at the end. I have faith in him. I really do. I know that's scary to say, but I do. Okay. But what gives you that faith? That's what I want to know. Where, where is that faith coming from? I just, you know, because I have faith in Sean Payton, and I know Sean Payton loves Taysom Hill, but last year, look at Kamara's numbers when Taysom Hill was in there. If we don't have Michael Thomas and we are relying on Alvin Kamara to be our number one guy, he's the leader of that team, right? He's the best player on that team. We need Jameis Winston to be able to give Kamara the best opportunity to be that running back one, that top tier three, I mean, that top three running back. We need him to do it. And if Taysom Hill is taking away his touches, then you're going to have a really pissed off player that needs those touches. And I just don't think that it is a smart move with Michael Thomas out to have Taysom Hill be in our starting quarterback. I just don't. You have to look at the greater picture, right? We have to look at everybody and go back to what was it week, whatever, when the playoff game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, when Winston came in and threw that bond to Traquan Smith, that's what we need. We need to elevate the team. And I think that the elevation is Winston and his leadership and his the fact that he's led a team before and he has the experience, that's what's given me the faith. 800 points to Courtney because she's so damn passionate about those things. <laughs> I got to tell you, that was that was riveting. And <laughs> not just from a standpoint. Listen, and there's a real possibility that Taysom Hill uh, does get relegated back to sort of a tight end role too, just for the gadget play of it. Because if he's lined up on the field as a tight end like he used to be, the chances are that they can move him into uh, the quarterback position, you know, and, and just decoy something to that effect. I mean, not, not that it's going to work more than probably once, but you know, he's a tight end, right? So might as well put him in for some crazy nonsense and see what happens. So, uh, I don't know. It, it's it, to me, I've, I got to feel yucky if I'm a saints fan anyways, about either one of those. I know Courtney, I'm sorry. I, I'll, I'm not dumping on the saints, but <laughs> 
both quarterbacks just don't move the needle for me. A lot like this next quarterback we're going to talk about, who is oh. Daniel Jones of <laughs> Courtney's holding her friend. Uh, look, Daniel Jones, love him or hate him, uh, he is the quarterback for the Giants. But now he gets a new weapon, and I want to know, and we're going to start with Courtney on this one, uh, the addition of Kenny Galladay. Does this actually make Daniel Jones a better quarterback option for you? Um, I wish I could say yes, because when when it was good years with Galladay and Stafford, it was gold and they were beautiful together. But Daniel Jones is not Stafford, and I don't think he ever will be. I just, I, you know, I was reading something today when I was getting ready for this, and it said that Daniel Jones has been, you know, him and Galladay have been hanging out, and they've been, they went to some, you know, NASCAR or get Grand Prix race and like been trying to connect and try to get in sync. And yet on the field, they're not in sync. And Galladay is injury prone, and I just, they don't have a good offensive line. And Daniel Jones is, I'm fading him. I'm fading him. I'm fading Galladay. I do not think that he is going to be able to produce, even though he has a awesome wide receiver. No, I don't. I don't think it changes him. I think it gives a lot of Giants fans hope, but you have to be able to protect your quarterback so that he can stay in the pocket and he can make those deep throws to Galladay and let him catch him. But if you don't have an offensive line and you don't have a quarterback that is consistent that can get it down the field, then what's the point of having that number one wide receiver there? No, I don't think I don't think it elevates him at all. I think it, like I said, it gives a lot of Giants fans hope, but I think Giants fans need a lot more than that. They need a lot more than that. <laughs> maybe, if, maybe if Eli came back in there and helped out, you know. What do you yeah, think I mean, it hurts? The Giants definitely they they definitely do need a lot more than you just hope. And I think Daniel Jones needs a lot more than just Kenny Galladay to get himself right. Mm -hmm. Because as it appears on the show sheet, the question is like, uh, does Kenny Galladay make Daniel Jones better? It's like, well, unfortunately, uh, technically, yes, but as a quarterback in terms of decision making and all that stuff, uh, no, not really. But what it does help him with is providing him with a wider breadth of options at his disposal. Because for a very long time, you know, like when Saquon Barkley has been in the lineup, it's just like that's the one person that you can rely on and do all that stuff. But you're missing a bunch of time, you know, over the course of his career to this point. Like at that point, you're relegated to trusting Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard. And then after that, it's like, well, I mean, Darius Slayton has shown certain things at times, but, you know, do you really want him to be like a guy that you rely upon heavily in your offensive system? I mean, like, no, not really. But Kenny Galladay coming in. The team drafting Kadarius Tony in the first round. I mean, say what you will about him as a prospect, but that is still hefty investment into a pass catcher that can be injected into the offense. They are putting all the, you know, whatever sort of you know, pieces that they can put around Daniel Jones. I mean, like, here, here's your toolbox. Go to work, build us a table. You know, like, you got to get this going, buddy. So, I mean, if there is going to be a time for him to succeed, it will be now. But do I think it's going to happen? I'm not entirely sure. I still think Daniel Jones is kind of bad. But, at least he has weapons now. So in that way, yes, Kenny Galladay does kind of make him better. <laughs> okay, so so Herms, if he doesn't if he doesn't do it this year and he still fails in the terms of you know quarterback status, where do they go from there? What do they do? I mean, they've given him all these options, they've given him the help, and now what do they do if he still can't put it together? They'll find somebody else and he'll make a great number two somewhere on some other team. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> They sure, they sure did invest a lot in Daniel Jones, that's for sure. 
Yeah. That they did. That they did. The world for it. 900 <laughs> points to Herms for remembering the original question because I framed it in a way that made it seem a little misleading at first. So Herms bringing it back to the point. It's 900 points for that one. And look, here's what I'll say about Daniel Jones. I have him in, what do I have him in? I, I know I have him in a couple of leagues. You know, when you've gotten into the too many leagues now that you don't know where you have him. But I know that I took him uh, and and I, I feel okay about it. I mean, he's not my number one for sure, but uh, I feel okay that I have a Daniel Jones share because I think there could be some good things in store for him. I don't, I don't think Kenny Galladay makes him a better quarterback all, immediately, but like I think Herm said, he, he gives him more options now, and I think that's what they were missing was a guy that you know had some sort of solid option in him. So uh, Kenny Galladay. If he can stay healthy, I think he's a, a still a good person to, to get. And Daniel Jones, on the back end, if you've waited, if you went zero QB and Daniel Jones is waiting for you, uh, uh, he's there. <laughs> you can do worse. Not you a could. lot worse, but you can do worse. <laughs> you could. Uh, all right. So we're moving on to the next question. Herms, you're going to start this one out. We're going to talk about a, a guy who... I don't know why there's so much controversy over whether or not he's good, but you're either in the, you like Dalvin Cook camp, or I guess you don't. So, uh, Herms, where are you standing? And is Dalvin Cook the best running back in the league right now? To answer that about, is he the best running back in the league? I do not believe that he is the best running back in the league, whether we're talking about it from a real life NFL perspective, or even just from a fantasy perspective, but is he among the upper echelon of, those players yes absolutely he is because i did a little i did a little digging i found some fun stats on a points per game basis in ppr from you know 2017 when he entered the league through this past season excluding one guy who played one game uh that i have pulled up in front of me uh fourth overall 19.71 fantasy points per game since entering the league and i know he's missed a lot of time you know between you know, tearing his ACL his rookie year and all sorts of other things. But even just outside of the fantasy realm, if we're just going to look at like rushing yards per game, if that's, you know, if that's a sticky stat in your brain or not, I don't know. It's up to you. But uh, 85.1 rushing yards per game, second best to only Derrick Henry with 85.2. He's right there, right there with the rushing yards per game. So it's just like you can make the argument for that. And like also, I mean, he does a fairly good job with his receiving work as well. I mean, he has like 81.3% yes dalvin cook is one of probably the top three top five best running backs in the nfl but if we're really good just going to put it like real life pure running i would hand it to nick chubb that's probably the guy that i would have now and then if we're talking about fantasy it's like well i mean look at christian mccaffrey because it fun fact i had it pulled up i don't have the exact numbers in front of me but like the distance in total points scored that he had between 2018 and 2019 and the next closest guy behind him in ppr scoring that being ezekiel elliott the gap in those point totals over the course of those two years is almost the exact number of points that Jonathan Taylor scored all of last season. It's about like 220 something. Like that's the gap in points between what Christian McCaffrey did by himself and the next closest player. So it night and day, it's got to be Christian McCaffrey in terms of the total skill set. But Dalvin Cook, not that far behind. Very, very good player. What are you thinking, Courtney? Okay, so I have to like Dalvin Cook at times when they're not playing the Saints because my husband is a diehard Vikings fan. But um, but I actually agree with you a lot there, Herms. Um, to me, Christian McCaffrey is the most well-rounded 
overall running back, right? That's out there. You know, unfortunately last year injury prone, but Dalvin Cook is also very injury prone. He only played in 14 games last year, but in those 14 games, he had 16 touchdowns. That's pretty amazing, right? Um, but I'm a, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just me, but I love King Henry. I love that man. And I know that he's had multiple years. I know, look at you. I see you. I actually am pretty surprised you didn't talk about Najee. I'm pretty surprised you didn't talk about Najee Herms, but we have to see um, it first. <laughs> I actually, but I actually love King Henry, and I know I've looked at I looked at a bunch of stats, and I actually saw where they were saying in the last like 20 years, um, running backs that have had these two incredible seasons bust the next season, right? Bust that third season, and so this could be his bust season. But I just love King Henry. I love what he can do. I love him behind the offensive line in uh, Tennessee. I just I love him. I love everything about it. I mean, last year ago, sorry. Was it my – were you beeping me? No, Rod? Okay. Oh, yeah. No, uh, I mean, keep going. 16 games Sixteen games last year, over 2,000 yards and 17 touchdowns. And since 2019, he's had um, 2,578 yards after contact. That's, that's incredible. Come on. So, I don't know. I, he's won me multiple championships in the last two years, so I'm on the King Henry train. So, Dalvin Cook, I support him. I think he's awesome. The fact that he plays behind a tier three, maybe four quarterback in Kirk Cousins – is pretty phenomenal, but he can't stay healthy. And if he can stay healthy, can we actually see him play a full 17 games? Or is he going to be, you know, severely lacking towards the end now that we're in a 17-game, you know, season? So, I don't know. So, I would probably rank CMC, Henry, and then Cook and Kamara right on the level for me. Wow. All right. Well, 700 points for Courtney because her husband needs those points as a Vikings fan. <laughs> Uh, I, I am a uh, Derek Henry fan myself, which is another, you know, couple hundred points there because I was in Tennessee for a little while. Uh, and I love, I love the Titans and I love Derek Henry. I love a good running back. And that guy is just a monster. So, uh, I too am on the King Henry band train or band train train wagon train. Anyways, I'm on his bandwagon. There it is. Uh, speaking of bandwagons, if you are still a New Orleans Saints, uh, New England Patriots fan, like you got me thinking Saints over there, Courtney. If you're still a New England Patriots fan, uh, your life is probably not as good as it could have been uh, or was in the past. And you're hoping, I guess, that Cam Newton is going to lead you to the promised land or you're in the uh, camp of Mac Jones. So the question I posed to both of you was, when do we see Mac Jones in New England? Courtney, tell me, when do we see Mac Jones in New England? I don't think you see him this year unless something crazy happens. Just kind of like we were talking about Jimmy G earlier. I understand that Cam Newton is not what he was last year, but let's see if I can pull up. I found some stats earlier that, uh, I mean, he still was in, he still was in viable fantasy circles talking, right? Like he was still in the red zone. He was still scoring. He didn't have a lot of weapons. I mean, what did we have? What was his number one last year? Jacoby Meyer was his number one to throw to. And I think one of the main reasons they got Hunter Henry and Juno Smith is because those are short passes, right? Those are tight ends that can get out there and can have that short pass. And I feel that if Cam Newton can stay healthy and stay off the internet talking about all this crazy stuff and just really fill into Bill Belichick's frame of mind, Bill Belichick's a genius. I hate the Patriots, but he's a genius. And I feel that if he could get in there and he can really do it this year, uh, that I don't see, we I don't think we see Mac Jones. But if he bombs and something else happens or he starts talking his tra tra trash and he can't throw and he gets, you know, hurt again or just can't, just tries too much, tries to run too much, tries to, you know, not hand the ball up to Damian Harris and let him be the running back, right? Then I feel that Mac Jones will step up. It's just tough because Mac Jones is a pocket passer. 
Bill Belichick knew exactly what he was doing when he chose him. Mac Jones is going to be the future of the Patriots because he fits in that scheme. He doesn't, there's not a lot of pocket passers anymore, right? Like they're all mobile quarterbacks and that's what you want. But Mac Jones is very accurate. Um, and he was good at Alabama, even though people were like, no, he wasn't. No, he was. He was decent. He was really good. So I feel that we won't see him this year unless Cam Newton severely messes up. And I have, I don't know. I just, mm, I don't think we'll see him this year. I don't, unless it's like towards the end and they're already losing and they maybe don't have a winning record and he wants to throw him in there to see how he will produce under pressure. Um, but I think it's Cam Newton's team unless Cam Newton, it's, it's Cam Newton's team to win or lose, put it that way, or to hold, you know, to be or not to be. What are you thinking, Herms? Well, a uh, quick thing just coming to Cam Newton's defense because he does get a lot of crap for what happened last year, but he came in, what was it, late July, early August in a very, like the strangest offseason possible, shows up incredibly late to this team's camp, and it's just like, hey, we're not going to give you a lot of time to learn the offense. We don't have a lot of weapons that we can help you with. You're going to get COVID at some point. That's really going to hold you back, but hey, let's help make this team win. Well, yeah, a lot of things really went against him. So it's like, yes, I understand he ran for more touchdowns than he did throw for them, but it's just like, look, Everything that he had going for him was not particularly great. If there is going to be an opportunity for him to reclaim whatever he once was able to do, it is going to be this year because they invested, kind of like we were saying before, just, you know, like with Daniel Jones, like they invested in putting pieces around him. Maybe it'll go better. If it doesn't, it doesn't, whatever. And we'll see Mac Jones probably by the middle of the year. But I'm just saying, maybe Cam Newton could bounce back. Maybe he could. Maybe he could. I'm just saying. Maybe he could. That's 1,500 points for Herms because how can you play devil's advocate for Cam Newton so beautifully and even make me go, man, you're right. The dude maybe did get a bum deal in 2020. So maybe mm -hmm. I need to start rethinking my, man, when you can make me stop tra my, my tracks cold about Cam Newton, you, sir, are a, uh, yeah, you're a magician. So, uh, all right, we have come to the point where we can catch our breath and we are going to step aside for our uh, our mid-roll ads. And when we come back, we've got five more hot topics with uh, just a, man, probably one of the most fun that I've had in a very long time. So uh, stick around, come back for it. If you are ready to win money and boost your odds, we have got something for you. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia. New states being added all the time, but that's where it's at right now. And they are bringing you the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. There are tons, tons, I mean, tons of exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. You can get in on all your favorite teams, players, sports from the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNB. If it's got any sort of league or association in the title, it's going to be there for you. College football, everything, so much more. They've got great promos, odds, payouts happening right now at WinBet. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sports, we literally have everything you need to win. Are you ready to play? I know you are. <laughs> Here's what you do. Sign up today to receive a special offer. It's a risk-free $500 sports bet. That's right, $500 risk-free. You got to want that. Download right now. Bet. Win. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Start winning. 
As always, we are brought to you by PropSwap. It is America's number one app to buy and sell sports bet. Football season literally about to kick off, and PropSwap is here to make this your best season ever. With PropSwap, you don't even need a bet that wins. You just need a bet that improves, and you are a winner. For example, the Atlanta Falcons, 80-1 right now to win the Super Bowl. They have one of the easiest strengths of schedules in the league. So if you think they'll get off to a hot start, you can make that 80 to do one bet before the season starts and then get this you can sell it off for a giant profit after only a couple of weeks after that hot start hits sell it make some money the average seller on prop swap actually makes over 500 per month just listing and selling tickets so you know when you're listing and selling tickets and making money that's a really good deal. When you're making your bets, though, remember to go for two. Make two tickets on the same team so you can sell one for a profit and keep one to leave yourself some skin in the game. Get started today by going to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app. PropSwap is where America buys and sells sports bets. If you haven't already, please head over to underdogfantasy.com. Use that promo code SGP and you're going to get free $25 that you can use for an entry at the Best Ball Mania 2 contest for a chance to win $1 million. Who does not want a $1 million? And we're going to give it to you for, well, maybe not give it to you, but we're going to give you a chance to win it for free by using the promo code SGPN on underdogfantasy.com right now. $25. Use it in the Best Ball Mania 2 contest. Head over do it right now. And of course, never miss one of these shows. You can download the SGPN app right now and always get notified when one episode of this show comes out and all of your favorite SGPN shows. It's all on the app right now, along with our picks, podcasts, everything you want to know about the SGPN on that SGPN app. So uh, go down there, download the SGPN app. And of course, don't forget to toss us an app review and download the SGPN app today. For round two of the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, I've got Courtney Burrows and I've got Herms and we have had a knockdown drag out first round. So much fun, so much fantasy knowledge, so much pulled pork sandwich. I love it. Uh, we are, <laughs> I had to give Herms a chance to catch his breath and to eat his dinner. We we interrupted his dinner. I'm sorry, Herms. I'm sorry. We'll We'll make sure you can get back to it soon. It's all good. It's all good. There's plenty of leftover pork left for me, so I can go back for seconds as soon as this is done. We're all good. I love it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and kick off the next round. Next question is as follows, and I think we uh, had Courtney go off first, so Herms, you are the starter of this conversation. Can Odell Beckham return to fantasy relevance? I think this is a question everybody wants to know. What do you think, Herms? I mean, can he? Absolutely. Will he? That is a completely separate question, because I haven't really followed their camp reports super closely yet, but the things that I'm really looking at relative to Odell Beckham, you know, coming back from, you know, tearing those ligaments in your knee, I mean, like, yes, like, it's very, very important to see, like, is he limited doing certain things or is he, you know, out there full participant and like a lot of like seven on sevens, 11 on 11s, you know, even like individual stuff. If he's not limited in any capacity, then it's like, yes, that will, you know, help you get you know, a better semblance of where his health is at, but then it really ties into, well, how do they integrate him into the scheme? You know, the second year in the Kevin Stefanski offense, I mean, you know, coming over from previously being the offensive coordinator with the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, like we already saw a little bit last year of like what that offense is going to be. And anybody who's a fan of football is aware of what that's going to be. It is not a particularly high passing volume 
offense. But at the same time, somebody kind of has to be the number one option there. And logically speaking, of course, it would be Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, we remember back in the day with the Giants with the oh, reaching all the way oh, with that one hand. I mean, come on. He's absolutely incredible. Things have been messy for him since, but I don't know. It's definitely possible. He has the talent to do it if his body's there for sure. But the one thing that does give me pause is that, you know, he has suffered some significant injuries. He's only getting older. And part of me is concerned. It's like, well, is this going to be another thing like we did in our heads with the narrative around like AJ Green? It's like we're holding on to, oh, but he was so good years ago. He can recapture it. He can recapture it. He can't. Oh, but his body just won't let him do it. Oh, my gosh. So I'm just, if you're asking me, well, you didn't ask this question, but hypothetically, hey, Herms, are you willing to draft Odell Beckham with significant draft capital? I don't know. Probably not. I'm a little nervous about it because, you know, we've seen numerous examples. It's like guys, you know, their prime came and went and we're just holding on to like, if they can stay healthy, if they can stay healthy and it just never happens again. So I don't know. Can he? Sure. Will he? I'm not a doctor. So you'd have to ask someone else. Courtney, what are you thinking? (laughs) Um, I somewhat agree with you. And um, yeah, can he stay healthy for 17 games? Probably doubtful. But Baker Mayfield played amazing in the eight last games of the season last year, and he was tearing it up. And I have seen some of the videos coming out of training camp, and Odell looks pretty good. He looks pretty decent. So no, would I have him as my wide receiver one or my wide receiver two? Probably not even my wide receiver three, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to draft him and put him on my bench for those buy-in weeks when they're playing weaker teams, right? Um, But can we pause for a moment and talk about his $1.8 million smile? So I feel like he is ready to bounce back. Have you seen those? I mean, look at Google it up right now, guys. Google it up. Um, So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about him too. I don't want to put all my hopes and dreams onto him, but I also think that Baker Mayfield had a great last year, the end of last year, and I feel that this is the second year with the coach. I'm going to butcher his name, Stefanski. Stefanski? Kevin Stefanski? Um, well, regardless, regardless, I feel that if he has a chance to bounce back, this is the year because I think Baker Mayfield is going to be a very good quarterback. And I do agree with you that they are a run heavy first with Chubb and Hunt, but they have to be a well-rounded team to compete, right? They have to be a well-rounded team. And if they are going to be a run first option, they also have to have the pass and they have to put that together and make it a whole unit. And I think that Odell's their best choice there to make that happen. All right. I, I, I see both sides. I'm still not going to touch him. I think I'm with Herms. I'm not going to spend much draft capital on him, but uh, I'm still going to give him four. Well, I, I got you. <laughs> you still get the 1.8 million points, though, for the $1.8 million smile. Uh, I'm Googling that he up. He's a very handsome man. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say he's not handsome. That definitely. Have you not seen it yet, Rod? I have it's not. Incredible. I'm going to. I will after this show is over. As soon as it, as soon as it's done. Oh, my God. That's. <laughs> rich people problems all right uh we are going to move on now to i want to know this guy i drafted him last year and was sorely sorely sad most of the way through the season uh but i want to know this year because i don't know this is year two maybe he gets a little bit more play but what is the floor for collide edwards Lair ceh courtney get, what, what's this guy's floor why are why am i even wanting to touch him um, because I, he's my sleeper pick this year for running back. Sorry, Najee. Um, but he is my, he is my sleeper pick. I actually think that last year when we saw Mahomes 
struggle in the last couple games because he wasn't at his he was he was hurt right he wasn't at his best ability and they were relying on him to do the running I think that Andy Reid has to reevaluate this and look at the past where he had you know at the Eagles when he had McCoy and they actually focused on the running game with McCoy McCoy became one of the best running backs for a while there right like he was fun to watch and I think that if Andy Reid can look at it and say okay we revamped the offensive line we really need to make sure that for this these 17 games that we have Mahomes because I mean do we not think that they're going to make another run for the Super Bowl of course they are so I think that you would be hard-pressed not to grab him in drafts because he I truly believe that this is going to be his year last year everybody took him in that first you know 10 picks and everybody was like he's the rookie of the year woo, woo. but he, he failed us, right? He totally failed us. I had him in a couple leagues too. But I think this is the year that Andy Reid says we cannot rely solely on Mahomes for every single thing because we won't we won't make it again just like we did in this year. And so I think that Clyde Edward-Hilaire is a sleeper pick, and I have him in multiple drafts already, and I would – I say that the ceiling is high. Let's go for it. He is. I think that he is going to surprise a lot of people. Well, Courtney's willing to die on the high floor, uh, <laughs> high floor hill. Herms, what are you thinking? I mean, if it weren't for it, because, I mean, the team bringing in Le'Veon Bell toward the middle part of the year and you know starting to change up the rushing attack, I mean, that definitely hurt him a little bit. But at the same time, well, and then well, I can't remember exactly what the injury he had was, but he was only limited to 13 regular season games. And he eventually came back. But during that time, if he had played for the full 16-game slate, he was on pace to have 1,100 total yards. I think the exact number is like 1,099 yards, but let's just round up a little bit and just give him 1,100 total yards. Doing that as a rookie right out of the gate, pretty solid. And from week one through 13 in PPR scoring, I mean, he was, you know, he averaged 13.9 points per game and was the RB 13 in that time. So, you know, you have to think about the fact, you know, Coming into the Andy Reid system, I mean, you don't earn a lot of trust in, like, pass protection situations and stuff, which did take him off the field at times. He had some inefficiencies at the goal line that prevented him from scoring touchdown. But, you know, any sort of positive regression in the touchdown department, in his red zone, you know, usage, whatever, and also just simply by staying healthy, if the floor for him was going to be 1,100 total yards, that's pretty good. That's pretty good as a rookie. You like to see that. So it's just like by virtue of staying healthy, probably playing an entire season. And the fact that he was already pretty good. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. The floor is good. The floor is good. The floor is not lava. I am going to give Herms 1,099 points, but I'm going to round it up to 1,100 points uh, for this <laughs> round because I mean, again, I think you're right. I think uh, for me, I will take him if he is in a position where I feel like I'm comfortable taking him. I won't take him as my RB one. I certainly don't know that. I mean, he won't be around if I, if I wait for like a RB three or like the third or fourth round, he won't be there. But if he is, if I'm playing with people that are uh, about as down on him as I am, and he's sitting around there somewhere, uh, I'll snatch him up because last season I was hurt. Um, and I don't like to go into situations where I was hurt before. Uh, and, and I don't want them to do it again. So maybe, Maybe me and CEH aren't going to have a, a good relationship this year. But uh, speaking of somebody who may not have a good relationship with much anybody this year, <laughs> we're going to move on to Carson Wentz. We're going to move on to Philly. We talked about him in the uh, Rods Risers as far as his injury is concerned and who's coming up next. But I'm going to ask uh, both of my esteemed panelists here, and we'll start with Courtney, because I want to know, are you scared of Carson Wentz's injury? Are you, are you afraid of his, of his foot, Courtney? I'm not afraid of his foot. I'm just 
I just don't like the guy. Like, I mean, unfortunately, I hate it, but he has... He's injury prone. I mean, okay, second overall pick in 2016. How many times has he been absent, right? He got his team up. What were they? I think they were like 11 and two before he, when he got hurt. And then Foles took him on to the Super Bowl. He was great at North Dakota, but he did not translate into the NFL. He's a great, I feel like he could have been so great. He could have been so good, but he has been a failure. And I hate to say that for all you Wentz fans out there, but I know right now that the Eagles are happy and they're like, ha ha, we got rid of you. And I'm just telling you, he's inconsistent. The Colts are now biting their tongue and they're like, crap, what did we do? Um, they said that the news came out, I think today, or maybe late last night that they were going to rest his foot and see how it is. So no, he is absolutely 100% on my do not draft list. I had him last year in one of my leagues and he failed me consistently. He's never been a good quarterback for me. Fantasy terms, right? If you're looking at fantasy numbers in that 2000, what was it? 17 season when the Eagles went on to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, he had those great first games and then he was, then he was out. I just don't see a scenario where Carson Wentz succeeds in this league anymore i just don't i think that he is done i hate to say it but i think he's washed up and i think he's going to end up being a mitch trubisky where he is behind josh allen somewhere you know next year he will not be a starting quarterback somewhere he's just i mean come on we're at day two of training camp and you're already hurt i i, I got nothing i'm not scared of it i'm just staying far 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 away from it i'm running far that away heavy stuff herms well, I mean, I can't believe I'm coming to the defense of Carson Wentz. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, if, yes. Okay. Look, if we remember correctly, that second year in which, you know, things went incredibly well for him, I remember if it, he was the QB three in fantasy before he got hurt that year, he showed like, and there was an expectation that he was probably going to win league MVP at that point. So it's just like, you know, comparing him to Trubisky, like I understand a little bit of the career arc there, but let's be fair. This, this, ceiling that we have seen from Carson Wentz and the, if you want to call it a ceiling that we saw from Mitch Trubisky, they're on completely different stratospheres. One has demonstrated significantly more than the other. And, and if we are going to, you know, be, you know, all due fairness and all things, you know, looking at it on a relative basis, last season, the Philadelphia Eagles, like that offensive line, they allowed like the highest sack rate of any team. Number one, they left him out there to die. And who was he throwing to? I mean, like, oh, Alshon Jeffrey, maybe he'll come back. Oh, I don't think he ever came back and played. I don't know. Is he going to throw into Greg Ward? I mean, nothing against him. He's a professional athlete. He's way better than I am. But at the same point, like, look at the surrounding cast. They gave him nothing. It's just like, hey, here's a, yeah, here's a, he's a package of saltine crackers and like three almonds. Here's your lunch. Are you really going to feel fed at that point? No. So oh, he's going and reuniting with the offensive coordinator that he once had a lot of success with. And Frank, I'm just saying. We have to be fair. We have to be but fair. But 2017, Herms, come on. He consistently has not done anything but fail since then. What do I mean, what do you want from him? He is not going to be a starting quarterback in this league. I just I don't see it. He's just I don't see it. I think well, that I, they're either what's bad then he won't. Yeah. <laughs> they're gonna pull somebody else in or they're gonna try with Jacob Eason and but I mean gosh, pull in Mar Marcus Mariota, man. He did some good games last year behind Derek Carr when he'd been down. Pull him in. I want to see them. I want to see them put in that bag of saltine crackers. Uh, that's that's what I want to see. Let's see the let's see the Colts play with a bag of saltine crackers. Uh, all right. So that was man. I tell you, Carson Wentz. That guy makes a lot of people very very uh, animated. I love it. Uh, speaking of animated, and listen, all politics aside, this is strictly fantasy football. I want to know uh, which wide receiver benefits most if Cole Beasley does not return to the Bills because there is a very real possibility that he won't. They won't, somebody won't, but 
I don't know. But which which receiver stands to benefit from it should he sit out? Herms, to you, my friend. Oh, geez. Uh, Cole Beasley. Um, anyways, uh, Gabriel Davis probably would be the guy that I would expect. No, because they do not play the same role in the offense. Because, I mean, Gabriel Davis is far more of like a downfield, a high A dot, stretch the field type of guy. Whereas, you know, Cole Beasley is the type of dude that kind of, you know, runs across the field, does that stuff out of, you know, they, they, they do different things. But at the same time, like, even, well, I don't know. I'm changing my answer midstream. <laughs> Am I? No. No, I'm not. Because just because Gabriel Davis filled in and eventually did well for John Brown when he missed time last year, or whatever, like, who's the next logical guy that could possibly do that? I guess it could be an aging Emmanuel Sanders. But at the same time, do you really want to bet on a guy that old at that point? You know, it's just like, I don't know. He's only there on a one-year deal anyway. Just, man, I don't know. Gabriel Davis probably because he was really good last year, and I've just decided that that's going to be my answer, even though it came from a very flawed premise. Yeah, there it is. Courtney, why don't All you right, talk well, to look, both of her? I like, I like your flawed premise. I think that Gabriel Davis is really good and it will be a second year. But I also think that Emmanuel Sanders is underrated. I know he's old. He's 34, right? Isn't he? I'm pretty sure he's 34. Yeah, but like but you, but he also has had some pretty consistent years. I loved him in Denver. He was underutilized last year with the Saints. But I feel that if we... If Cole Beasley doesn't play and they put him out there, then he might make those teams and defenses and corners think, well, this old guy's not going to do it. And they're going to, you know, put all their people over there on on, uh, digs and then Emmanuel Sanders will be open. I feel like Emmanuel Sanders is more like Cole Beasley in the way that they run routes than Gabriel Davis is. But again, I I get what you're saying. He's 34 and we're going to we've said it this whole entire podcast. Can they make it 17 games? Are they going to stay healthy? There's a whole new gam stuff to think about this year with the the NFL season, um, you know, increasing. But I think that it's Sanders. I really do. I like him. I like him. He's he. Yeah, he's old, but he's consistent and he can still catch the ball and he can still run and he can still contest those balls up in the air with the defense. So I'm going to go Sanders. That was a way better answer than what I said. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the thing about Sanders and, and I'll say it as a 49er fan, when I, when I saw him on there, you're right. I mean, it just, it felt like after he left Denver, not a lot of offenses were really sure of actually how to use him. I don't feel like he was sure how to, how to be used. So maybe, maybe this resurrection in Buffalo with, with Allen will be good for him. And again, if Cole Beasley decides to not play, then maybe we'll see, you know, a little revival of the Emmanuel Emmanuel Sanders show. All right. I'm going to give 200 points to Herms, take away 200 points to the other Herms and give all 400 of those points to Courtney because, uh, (laughs) you know, although I will say anybody who can convince themselves midstream, once again, Herms, you are displaying some serious power in your debating process. So if you could change your own mind, uh, again, you know, you're good. Um, all right. So this last question, we're going to turn to a guy who had 1400 yards last season, uh, 115, uh, receptions really good on his team, obviously six touchdowns, Deandre Hopkins. But my question is, are we in for a bigger year from Deandre Hopkins? So will Deandre Hopkins have an even bigger season in 2021? Uh, I want to know, and I want him to, to do that, but Courtney, what do you think? Are we looking for a bigger season from D Hop in 2021? Okay, um, can we first dress the elephant in the room? Because he's just like Cole Beasley. He came out saying stuff. So if he plays, um, then I absolutely think he has a bigger season. Uh, I think that last year, what was his all 16 games, 160 targets for 14,000 yards, third best um, of the yardage year in his career. And 
Kyle Murray was hurt a lot of the games, right? Like at the end, he had that shoulder injury that was preventing him from really getting it down the field. And yet Hopkins still got it. He was still there. So I, I think that their second year with Kingsbury, um, their uh, Kingsbury, sorry, their second year together. Um, yeah, I think that it he is poised for a very, very big year. And besides, how can you not love somebody that gives his touchdown balls to his mama at every single game? Like, come on. I'm a mama, and that, like, wins it right there. You know what I'm saying? But, no, I actually think that Hopkins – I think that it's uh, Hopkins, Hill, and Devontae Adams are your top three wide receivers, and I think that unless, once again, injury or something to have to do with COVID takes over, I don't see him not – ending the season as one of those top three wide receivers. I just don't. I don't I don't see how – because I think Kyler Murray is going to be a top four or three quarterback, and he's being drafted that way, right? A lot of people are drafting Kyler Murray as your quarterback two or three. And so I think that them together and having a full season underneath their belt and then both back healthy and everything, I think absolutely. I think it's going to be an incredible year to watch them play together. Though Rondell Moore is going to learn from Hopkins, and Rondell Moore is going to be the future there. He is a good, good rookie. He's fun to watch. So watch out for him. But I do not see A.J. Green or anybody dipping into Hopkins at all. What are you thinking, Herms? Well, I'm glad that you mentioned those two names because the basis for my argument of why DeAndre Hopkins will have a bigger year is because of the presence of Rondell Moore and A.J. Green being brought in there. Because let's face it, there was never really the second receiving threat in the passing game to take attention away from DeAndre Hopkins. And we saw last year that there were certain times where a team was able to completely isolate their entire focus on taking him out of it to the point where throughout the you know fantasy season, weeks one through 16, I went back and looked at it. He had five instances of having 11 or fewer PPR points because he was being able to be completely removed from the game. If you just like focus all of your, t- you take him out of it, you force Kyler Murray to run around. You force him to dump it off to Chase Evans and whatnot. By virtue of adding other people who take away attention from DeAndre Hopkins, you are helping DeAndre Hopkins. So will he necessarily have a bigger season as far as like cumulative stats go at the end of it? Who knows? But at least as far as being consistent goes and being able to put up those points that you really want for him without the risk of him falling into single digit scoring and PPR scoring. Uh, yeah. DeAndre Hopkins will definitely benefit from that. So shout out. Yeah. Also the Kyler Murray shoulder thing because that will also help, but yeah. <laughs> Good answer. I like it. I love it. No, I love it all. That's 400 points for Courtney for leaving the elephant uh, unmasked. And we, uh, we we'll just go with that again. Fantasy football show. That is what this is. Um, all right. So here's the thing, guys. We have reached the end of all 10 of our questions. And that was so fast paced. I can't even believe that it went by that quickly. Uh, but I'm going to name the overall winner. Everybody listening to this show, because you guys just got hit with some serious, serious knowledge from both Herms and Woo-hoo! Courtney. I mean, this was probably such an action packed show that I can't even, I can't even call a winner out of this one. I just feel like you both uh, hit it. And because I'm way too nice of a host, I've been told so many times that I need to be a lot harsher. Um, but you know, look, I don't have to, you guys are good. You played nice so uh want to want to thank you both for joining us all right so here we're going to wrap this up i would like to know from both of you courtney we'll start with you where they can find your work where they can find you where everybody listening can uh find courtney on social media well i am the one and only love tractor three on twitter and uh, and i write for um going for two 
and Pro Football Mania um, and also Grand Central Fantasy. I'm going to start doing some stuff for them this season as well. So find me there. And um, Herms, this was a lot of fun, dude. I actually think, Rod, you won because you got two people who can't quit talking. And that's why this seems so fast because Herms and I are like... It was awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> it was the rapid fire of all shows. I, I found two people that can talk just as fast as I can, which is amazing because <laughs> nine times out of 10, that doesn't happen. So uh, Herms, I, listen, people listen to this show probably know you already. People are already following you. But if they don't, please, please direct them as to where they can find your work and you on the Internet. Well, if you want to find me on the Internet, you can find me on Twitter. Please don't try and find me anywhere else. If you do, I will ignore it. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter at Herms NFL. You can find my work with the lateral at the lateral FF on Twitter. We have a podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, all that jazz. It's the lateral show. It's a really fun time. If you like redraft content, that's the place to go. We also have a website, www. Well, I threw in an extra W. Whatever. www.thelateralff.com. Super fun. Uh, also, on Fridays, I do a lot of work with the Rumboys Fantasy Network. You can find me on Rumboys After Dark. And then... I will be uh, producing written content for Football Absurdity. You can follow them on Twitter at Fball Absurdity. It's going to be super fun. It's going to be super absurd because it's in the name and that's how things work. But yeah, so just follow me there at Herms NFL. Follow all the other stuff. Say hi to your mother. Uh, tell your dog that you love them and bring cookies to your neighbor if you really feel like being generous. Just spread <laughs> love and stuff. I don't know. Ah. Uh. I absolutely love every single person that I bring on this show. You guys have made this such an enjoyable opportunity. Thank you, everybody who listens. Of course, you can always follow me at RJ Gomez on Twitter. You can find this show on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, but more importantly, on the SGPN app, where you can find every single one of our podcasts and our picks and our stuff. So for Courtney, for Herms, for everybody at the SGPN, we want to say thanks for listening. Good luck drafting here coming up. And hey, the Hall of Fame game is this Thursday, so let's kick some ass and play some fantasy football, shall we? Yes, sir. Let <laughs> I can't Thank even you, sign Ryan. off. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you, Herms. Everybody, let it ride. Yeah.